Welcome to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy. I'm Mandy Walker and I'm your host. Selling a piece of jewelry like an engagement ring or wedding set can be a nightmare, but Worthy is a selling partner you can trust to work with you and for you to get the best deal on your piece. And if you're thinking it's not worth the hassle, remember that your diamond engagement ring can be the financial asset that allows you to embrace that fresh start after divorce. Worthy helps you get the best deal possible for the jewelry you've outgrown. And for a limited time, our podcast listeners can get a $100 gift card when they sell their jewelry with Worthy. Go to worthy.com forward slash podcast to learn more. For this episode, we're talking about overcoming the challenges of returning to work for the stay-at-home parent in divorce. Joining us today is Tammy Foreman. Tammy is the founding chief executive of Path Forward. It's an amazing nonprofit organization that empowers stay-at-home caregivers to restart their careers. Welcome, Tammy. Thank you, Mandy. It's so great to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have this opportunity to talk to you because I've been watching the work of path forward. And I actually send clients to your organization who are trying to get back into work because I love what it's been, the message that you give and the work that you're doing. But let me start by kind of setting the scene. Let's say you've been a stay-at-home parent for a number of years, let's say five, and you've got two kids. The youngest is now in kindergarten. Your spouse has told you your marriage is over. And from an initial consult with an attorney, you know that the court is going to expect you to be working full time, that you might get some support, but it'll only be for a limited number of years. And this is probably way earlier than you thought it was going to happen, but you're going to have to get back to work. And with the end of your marriage, you're not emotionally prepared for that. Nobody gives you time off work to get divorced. But I think for a lot of people, it feels like a pretty impossible scenario. Mm. Where would you say, tell somebody to start? So I think the first thing to say to that person is it's going to be okay, (laughs) right? It really is going to be okay. And it feels terrible now for all the reasons, but it's going to be okay. And the other thing I would say is that your next thing is not going to be your last thing. Because I think one of the places that a lot of people get caught up on particularly, I would say, people who have less of a financial push, but they get caught up in like, if I'm going to go back to work, it needs to be this and it needs to be that and it needs to have all these elements and they kind of get caught up on the perfect. I actually think there's a way in which having a certain amount of financial incentive can be helpful because it's going to push you a bit, right? There's a big incentive there if you're thinking about being able to keep your house together and keep your kids together and keep yourself together, that is going to push you to not worry about maybe the title and the this, and is it at the level I left at? And is it flexible enough? I mean, obviously those are things you still need to consider, especially as a single parent, but you can kind of push yourself to really look at all your opportunities, really be open-minded about opportunities and focus on getting the next thing and not worrying about whether or not this is something you want to do for the next five years or 10 years. It doesn't matter. It can be enough to be something that gets you back into the workforce for the next year, for the next two years. And other opportunities will come from that. 
Well, that sounds like that's really good advice. I, th- I think coupled with that, I think, you know, I'm of the generation, the mindset where people didn't change jobs every few years. Totally. But, yeah. but that's changed now. And that's so that- changed a lot now. It's changed more in the last couple of years as we have the great resignation and the great reshuffle and all of that stuff. And look, it could be that you find something that's going to be great. I think it just, it, it's sort of one of those things that like the more you have this mindset of like my next thing has to be amazing, the harder it is to overcome, to really be open-minded about opportunities and see where the path might lead you because your shortest path, I advise people who are in particularly financial circumstances where they really need to be working to find the shortest path between you and money. Right. <laughs> okay. So I'm a big fan, yeah. right, yeah. of the shortest path between you and money. Right. So that it may be that one of the reasons why you left your career five years ago was eh, wasn't really doing it for you. You had these kids, this other stuff. Husband had a great job. I'm going to take some time, and then I'll figure out what I want to do next. What do I want to be when I grow up? Right. Which is a super common thing for lots of people. But your fastest path to money now might be a job in your industry that you came out of. And again, it doesn't mean you have to do that forever. It could mean that that is the next thing you do. And you then look at what career changes you might want to make. It might be that you do some freelancing for a little bit. It might be that you talk to a lot of friends about what they do and look for opportunities at their companies that may be at a different level because you're new to that industry, right? So being open to more entry-level opportunities in a different industry that may be closer to you geographically or closer to you from a network perspective. So kind of thinking about what, what are my resources, right? What are the resources that I have available to me right now? So that might be the people in your network. That might be your university where you could get some career advice or get connected to folks who can offer some coaching services. Many universities offer those kinds of services for alumni. So what are my resources? And then how do I find that fastest path from where I am? Because that's the next step. And then I can take future steps from there. Right. right? And so does it still, I remember having this conversation with my dad about, well, it's better to be employed and still looking for a job than unemployed. Totally. Right. That still holds true? Absolutely still holds true. Absolutely still holds true. Yeah. The faster you get into, there's so much good that comes out of being back in a work situation, being back in the paid labor force, right? Your network expands immediately, right? One of the reasons why it's hard for a lot of stay-at-home parents to get back into the workforce regardless of their home circumstances, is they become disconnected from their network, right? They become disconnected from working people and it feels harder. I get this question a lot from people in our community, like, how do I reconnect with someone I haven't worked with in five years? When the answer is you just do, people are often excited to hear from people they used to work with. But it's one of the reasons why getting back into the workforce as quickly as possible has a lot of positive repercussions that will continue to pay off for you in the years to come. Okay. I'm going to, I have a question, a question about networking that I want to come back to, but first of all, I want to say, you know, one of the things that you, you said was to be open-minded about 
and not be too particular about the job's got to have these hours and I have to be able to do this and this. And I I think that there's a fear when you're being a stay-at-home mom, you're used to being at home at a certain time. And I think with going back to work, you have to accept that those routines are going to change. Mm -hmm. But like you said, it will work out. It's just, it's going to be a change and you're going to have to figure out how to manage that change. Yeah. You have to figure out how to manage that change and you have to figure out how to manage your own emotions around that change and your children's emotions around that change, right? Like there, I've talked to enough people now who've gone back to work. The positive impact for a lot of people going back to work is it's hard to appreciate it until you're in it, right? Like there's just so much positive. And I think one thing to remember, there's a lot of for a lot of people, divorce is, there's a lot of unfun stuff happening around that, right? There's a lot of emotions Absolutely. happening around that, right? It's really yes. tough. Yes. And it can feel, I think, particularly from a kid's perspective, but actually even from the spouse's perspective, everything can feel like punishment, right? Like now I have to go back to work. I wasn't ready to, I didn't want to, I wanted to, but not like this, right? Like whatever, right? And so recognizing that there is going to be upsides to it all and and managing your own emotional response to those things and your kids' emotional response is part of the work of it, to be honest. Like it's part right. of just managing through it. But realizing that there will be upsides, like you will find yourself again in terms of your professional identity and you will get a boost of confidence from being back in the workforce, many boosts of confidence being back in the workforce. And there's a lot of upsides to that that will come very quickly. So let's go to networking. Yeah. Because I think that that's, I know from one of the articles that you recently posted, you said so many jobs just don't get advertised. Mm. So networking is a, is a big way of finding that out. What is your number one tip for some for beginning to network? So I'm, I'm going to say something that sounds slightly contradictory to what I was saying about finding your fastest path to money. And what I'm going to say is, I think one of the things that trips people up about networking and makes it feel daunting for a lot of people is that we think that networking is about asking people for jobs, right? Or asking people to connect you to someone who can get you a job. And that's not what networking is. Networking is about knowledge gathering, right? In a knowledge economy, the coin of the realm is knowledge, right? And the way you find out about jobs that haven't been advertised is by talking to people who work at companies that have jobs that haven't been advertised yet. Frankly, the way you get a better chance of getting a job that has been advertised is by knowing someone at that company and not because like, I think this is the thing that sort of surprises people. It's not because like that person, you know, gives your resume to the right person and they go, oh, because Joe said I should, hire her, I'm going to hire her. It's not quite that direct, right? It's more like, hey, customer service jobs at this company are really interesting and they have this built-in training program and they're always looking for new kinds of people. And here are some of the transferable skills that our company's looking for. You might want to try to apply. And then your application includes all this information because you talked to Joe about what that job takes. And so you include all that in your resume or your cover letter. When you go in for an interview, Joe has prepared you and told you the questions that are going to be asked. 
and who you're going to meet with, right? That's what networking does for you, right? It tells you, hey, this is a great company to work for, right? This is a company where people have work-life balance. This is a company that's doing, right, all the things that you can't get just from looking at their website. That's what networking is about. So without having a conversation about, tell me about your work and your company and what you like about it. Yes. And here's a tip, okay? The most underutilized strategy in job searching is flattery. (laughs) People love to talk about themselves. It is everyone's favorite subject, categorically. Everybody's favorite subject is, let me tell you more about me, (laughs) right? So when you go to someone, when you go to someone and say, hey, I'm looking for a job, can you help me? I guess, yeah, maybe send me a resume. I'll see what I can do. And nobody likes that. You don't like saying it. They don't like hearing it. Nobody likes that, right? Right. Instead, hey, I'm looking to get back into the workforce after a few years. I'm trying to figure out my next move. Your company seems really interesting. I would love to hear about what you do there and how you got that job. Yes, please. Let me talk about myself for the next 20 minutes, right? Yeah. And what you'll learn out of that conversation is what's going to be helpful for you. And by the way, that also then opens the door to say, hey, I, this sounds really interesting. Uh, I'm going to go work on my resume, think about some of the things that I've done that might be applicable. You know, if I applied through the link, would you, you know, I'll let you know if you'd mind, you know, letting the recruiters know that I applied. People love, people are happy to do that kind of thing, right? It's, it's a little harder to ask somebody like, hey, can you give my resume to the right person? Obviously with some contacts that can work, Uh, But hey, can you let the recruiter who's working on this position know that I applied? That's usually pretty easy for an employee. Right. right? And it just tells the recruiter there's someone connected. If you're not qualified for the job, it's not going to get you the job. Let's just set some expectations there. But if you are qualified, it's going to get your resume kind of plucked out of the sea of resumes. And I am going to come back to resumes in just a moment. But first, we're going to take a a short break, Tammy. Sure. Moving past divorce is hard enough without your old engagement ring staring you in the eye every time you open your jewelry box. With Worthy, you'll find a selling partner who will help you transform your rings from dusty relics of hard times to a financial asset to help you start fresh. Worthy takes care of everything from insurance coverage to secure shipping, professional grading, and more. So when you're ready to sell, partner with Worthy. We're ready when you are. And for a limited time, our podcast listeners can get an extra $100 to Amazon when they sell their jewelry with Worthy. Go to worthy.com forward slash podcast to learn more. Welcome back to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle. I'm your host, Mandy Walker, and in this episode, we're talking about overcoming the challenges of returning to work for the stay-at-home parent in divorce. Joining us today is Tammy Foreman. Tammy is the founding chief executive of Path Forward, an amazing nonprofit organization that empowers stay-at-home caregivers to restart their careers. Tammy, right before the break, you were starting to talk about resumes and being able to get a recruiter to pull your resume out of the heap. 
And I wanted to come back to that because one of my thoughts was, I mean, and I, I will confess it's seriously a long time since I've looked for a job. But so if I was going back to work, I'm self-employed, but if I was looking to be employed by an employer, I know that I would need a resume and oh my gosh, it's like grown. What do they look like now and how important are they? And I keep hearing about how they have to, you have to be able to upload them to an HR system and keyword search. Where do you start with that? Yeah, I mean, this is a tough one. And look, there's definitely expertise out there. I would say if it's been a real long time, I mean, we work with people who've been out of the workforce for as long as 20 years, and that can be really daunting. And I think it is, if you have any money to invest in your job search, that is a place I would think about an investment, right? Like looking to find a career coach who can help specifically on resumes. I don't know that you need a resume writer per se, although it might depend on what your particular skill set is. The more you've not had to do writing professionally, or even as like a business person, the more you may need a little more help there. But no matter what your background, it may just be helpful to have someone who can kind of point out some of the tips and tricks around resumes and and help you see yourself in a slightly different way and position the different experiences you've had in different ways. And and someone who's great at at career coaching and, and resume writing can help you with that. You know, the thing I tell people, first of all, the things that most recruiters focus on when they're looking at a resume are the facts, right? Where'd you go to school? which is becoming slightly less important, but they're looking for that. Like, did you go to school? Did you graduate? What level of education do you have? Where'd you work? When'd you work there? What was your title, right? Where'd you work? When'd you work there? What's your title, right? Working their way down. And the stuff that you are like killing yourself over to rewrite 700 times, right? The bullet points and all that, you're not really spending a lot of time with which is, I feel like this is one of those like good news, bad news, right? The good news is the things that they're focused on are the things you can't change unless you can build a time machine, right? But it also means like spending a lot of time trying to perfect every bullet point is probably not as important as spending the same amount of time doing research on companies, networking with people at the companies that you'd like to target, like figuring out what, I think that the time you spend figuring out what skills you had Right, what skills you were using to accomplish the things you accomplished in your career and how maybe different companies talk about those same types of skills, right? Like figuring out what you match with in terms of jobs. I think some time spent reading job descriptions is actually really well well spent research time, right? How do companies talk about the jobs that they advertise and using that kind of language in your resume where it makes sense is probably a good way to do it. I do recommend that people do a certain amount of customization of resumes, but not like making yourself crazy and like writing a resume for every bespoke job. Like I think you can, Uh, right. right, I think you can have different job category, right? If you're looking at, you know, maybe some marketing communication jobs and some PR jobs and some digital marketing jobs, right? Like there's like a couple overlapping things. You might have one resume, one version of your resume that focuses more on your communication skills and the work you've done with press outreach. I'm making this up, obviously. And you might have one that focuses a little bit more on 
the email work you did and digital marketing, right? Assuming you did these things. So you might have a couple of versions that are a little more focused on pieces of your experience, certain pieces over other pieces, depending on, but that's it, right? You should have, you should have one master resume that has everything you've ever done in the world. And then you're kind of creating three or four custom versions from that based on when I'm applying for this kind of job, I'm using this version that emphasizes these skills. When I apply for that kind of job, I'm using this version that emphasizes different skills. Yes. And I, I like your suggestion about, you know, inv- making the investment to help with a resume yeah. writer. I had spoken to New York Times writer Louise Ratkin just shortly Um, She had an article published in January about how to help your friends through divorce. And she and I talked about how much more meaningful it would be to have friends grouped together and to help pay for a resume writer than, say, going for Manny Petty's. Yeah. It seemed like it it would have more of a lasting impact and a profound impact on life after divorce. Yeah. And again, this is a place where look at, you know, there may be services out there, right? The universities sometimes will offer, you know, they may not offer all the way to the level of like rewriting your resume, but they might offer you a couple sessions with someone. They may have coaches on staff, right? Like there may be some places you can at least start to get some advice and then you can figure out if that's something you want to continue and invest in. Right. So what's your advice for handling that gap on your resume while you've been, I have to tell our listeners that Tammy and I are on Zoom. I can see Tammy and she's smiling because she knows what I'm going to ask. I think because I want to know what Tammy's wisdom is on handling that gap of being a stay-at-home parent. How do employers view that gap these days? Look, I think this is one of those things that's changing and evolving. The pandemic has certainly highlighted the fact that a lot of people leave the workforce, need to leave the workforce. And there's certainly been more press attention than there's ever been about career gaps and that it's probably not such a big deal and you probably shouldn't worry about it so much as a manager. I think it's important to remember that managers, people who are hiring most people, this is just a piece of their overall job is hiring somebody. And it's not a piece they particularly like most of the time. And it's not something they're particularly well-trained in, or even sometimes not even a part of their goals. Like it's just sort of like, oh, and yeah, by the way, you have to hire a new person for your team, right? Like it's, they've got all kinds of other stuff to do and they're trying to get it done as fast as possible. So the reason they're looking for someone who's currently working is that just seems easy. It seems like the easy way. It seems like for them, the fastest path (laughs) from where they are to having someone on staff, right? Like it just seems like the easiest way. So that's part of why the, the networking piece is important, right? People hire people. And so you're gonna have a better chance of at least getting an interview with somebody, which is gonna give you a chance to really make the case for yourself. And then you kind of figure out how to do that. So at Path Forward, we run returnship programs with companies. They are, I'll be perfectly honest, they're limited at the moment, right, by the number of companies that offer them and the types of roles that are offered. There's a heavy emphasis right now with a lot of companies on tech skills, right? So if you're looking to go back to work in software engineering, (laughs) we've got lots of opportunities for you. Um, We have lots of opportunities in other areas too. They're just not quite as prevalent and they're not everywhere yet. 
But one of the things I tell people to do, depending on your background, is think about, first of all, think about doing temp work, straight up temp work, right? Again, getting into a company, getting to know people, seeing what that company does, whether what other opportunities are there. Um, it's often a way to establish yourself in a company and you can, and you can kind of make, it's easier to maneuver when you're in a company than from the outside. Right. Kind of the same idea with consulting and freelancing, right? It's, I, I sometimes call it the like do it yourself returnship, right? Someone sees you work um, and sees your work product, right? What you can do, then they no longer care, right? If you can do the job, they no longer care about the gap. It's when you're competing with someone who's been working and they're like, well, I have to choose between right person A and person B. But if you've established yourself in that company, either through a freelance relationship or a consulting relationship or by doing some temp work, it can often lead to other kinds of things. And or <laughs> if it doesn't lead to something at that company, it now becomes the thing you talk about at other interviews. Right. Well, you know, since I've been back, you know, looking in the workforce, I've done these three projects, right? I did this temp work over here with this company. I did this consulting thing or this project for some folks at this company, which those are. And by the way, those kinds of opportunities are 100 percent found through networking. Right. Yes, that's, that's all comes yeah. back to your network. And I do think it's important for I've yet to meet a stay at home parent who's been doing nothing. Most of them have no. a, a, a lot of volunteer work that they do. And to try and look and say, you know, what are the skills that were associated with that volunteer work that would translate into a corporate environment? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that is something doing those, getting into those interviews, practicing how you're going to answer those questions, putting those skill sets into business language, right? So figuring out how to translate the things you've been doing as a volunteer, as a stay-at-home parent into business language is an important piece of it. And then really when it comes to interviews, my advice to people is to practice answering questions. You don't want to come in sounding rehearsed. You don't want to sound like you've got a script in front of you. But we tend to approach job interviews like, well, I'm talking about myself. So I know myself. So I don't have to practice. <laughs> and it's like, well. <laughs> and I definitely advise people practice any question that you are nervous about answering. So how do you right. get to figure out what questions you're going to be asked? So that's, this is the great thing. There's so many resources out there now with like, just, behavior, Google, it. just Google it, right? <laughs> behavior. Well, okay. So one thing I'm going to keep saying networking. I'm going to say it so many times. Mandy's going to be like, oh, she's going to say networking again. Right. <laughs> this is one of those things when you know someone at that company, Hey, what are the questions that people ask in interviews? Right. That is something that, and by the way, if you are doing so phone screens, right. When you have that first interview with a recruiter, those are usually pretty straightforward, right? They're going to ask you to walk through your resume. They're going to ask you a little bit about your background. Very high level. Recruiters, God bless them, don't know a lot about the functional aspects of a lot of jobs. So they're not going to get into a lot of technical details or things like that. They're just going to kind of ask you some high level stuff. If they indicate that you're going to come back for a second interview, ask the recruiter, what are the questions I should be prepared for? That is part of their job, right? Okay, a recruiter's that's... job is to prepare you for the interview that you're going to come in for. So 100% lean on the recruiter 
to give you information about the jobs, the questions you should prepare yourself for. That's a really great tip. Yes, they love that. They love people who ask them that question. It's oh. it's it's fascinating. <laughs> um, but yes, you can get a lot of stuff on Google. And by the way, a question that you know you might get asked and you're worried somebody's going to ask you is like, what have you been doing for the last five years that you've been out of the workforce, right? Or tell me about your career gap or however they ask it, right? You, you have this sense that you're going to get asked about. So this is the script that I give people to answer this question. Well, you know, I spent... 10 years as a marketing director at a software company that was doing this, and I got to work on these great projects. I then had the privilege of being able to stay home and focus on my family for five years, 15 years, 20 years, whatever it is. When my youngest child went to kindergarten, went to high school, went to college, joined the circus, whatever, no judgments, it's all fine. I'm now ready to go back into the workforce some of the things I did while I was home was this, that, and this, which all, you know, hopefully are things that ladder to those same skills, right? And I'm super excited about this opportunity because it includes this and that and this, and I'm great at this and that and this. And now we're going to move on and let's talk about more of my skills and more of my experiences, right? And you're not apologizing and you're not saying I'm sorry. You're not making excuses. You're not making excuses. And you're also not over-explaining. Right. That's, I think, a trap that a lot of women fall into is like, well, then this happened and then the divorce and then but nobody cares. Just like I worked, I was home. Now I'm ready to get back to work. Here's why I'm perfect for this job. Right. Boom, boom, boom. But the trick of this is and it's like anything. Right. You just have to say that in front of your friend, in front of your dog, in front of your mirror. Right. Until you can say it the way I just said it. Right. Until you feel confident, until you can say it without tripping over half the words. So you can use your friends for that. Oh, 100 percent. Look, friends are great for lots of things. I also tell people coming back to networking again, Mandy, you saw this coming. It's not just the people that you used to work with. Right. The people in your neighborhood. I have a little circle of friends here in my neighborhood. Our uh, kids all got their bar and bat mitzvahs at the same time. Those women have some of the most interesting jobs ever. Oh my gosh, right? One of them's a lawyer for a software company. Another one's a dean at a great university. The other, like, they're amazing. They have amazing jobs. And we'd sometimes forget that the people in the Cub Scout troop and at our synagogue or church, the people in our kids' schools, a lot of stay-at-home moms tend to hang out with the other stay-at-home moms. Start hanging out with the working moms, right? right. Ask them what they do. Right. Again, people love to talk about themselves, right? <laughs> so your, your network isn't just the people that you used to work with. It's anyone who might be connected to a great company and a great opportunity. Oh, Tammy, that's awesome. I love all of your tips. And um, even if a lot of them do circle back to networking, I want to thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Mandy, this was great. And people should definitely check out Path Forward. We would love to help and support them. And I think the last thing I would say to your audience is you can do it. I've seen hundreds and hundreds of people, and I know you can do it. And I'll echo that. You just have to take it step by step, and it is an evolution. And Tammy, we will absolutely put your organization path forward in the show notes for everybody to access. I want to thank you again for your time today. 
Listeners, Tammy is the founding chief executive of Path Forward. They're focused on helping stay-at-home caregivers to restart their careers, and they do a fabulous job at that. So do check out their website. Make sure you subscribe so you can catch every new episode of Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle in your weekly feed. If you like what you hear, rate and review us to help other women like you find us. This podcast is for you, so reach out to us at podcastworthy.com to let us know what you think and what you want to hear. We look forward to hearing from you. You can also find more episodes at worthy.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy dedicated to celebrating women like you as you embrace a new beginning after divorce, separation, or whatever. Worthy is a selling partner with an online auction platform designed to help you sell your jewelry, such as an engagement ring or wedding set. When you decide to send your ring, Worthy takes care of the shipping and insurance to ensure that it arrives safely at our New York office. Once your jewelry arrives, the team at Worthy professionally cleans and photographs it before sending it out to a grading lab. All of these steps are designed to maximize your price in Worthy's online auction, where hundreds of buyers compete for your piece. One of the best parts of selling with Worthy is that you are completely in control. You'll work with Worthy's team to set a reserve price before the auction starts, keeping you in control of how much your ring sells for. If the highest bid comes in below that threshold and you decide not to accept it, we will send your ring back to you and we'll even cover the costs of the insured shipping again. Let us help you get the best deal possible for the jewelry you've outgrown. Are you ready to embrace your fresh start? Us too. And for a limited time, our podcast listeners can get an extra $100 to Amazon when they sell their jewelry with Worthy. Go to worthy.com forward slash podcast to learn more. Make sure you subscribe so you can catch every new episode of Divorce and Other Things in your weekly feed. If you like what you hear, rate and review us to help other women like you find us. This podcast is for you. So reach out to us at podcastworthy.com to let us know what you think and what you want to hear. We look forward to hearing from you. And you can also find more episodes at worthy.com forward slash podcast.